Thanks for tuning in to the Empowerment Project Podcast, a safe space for women of all walks of life to gather together, get honest, and discover more about the God-given identity and power we can claim through Christ. I'm your host, Michaela Modlin, and this podcast is a place of quiet retreat, girl talks, and scripture-inspired truths that challenge women to live changed. So get comfy, because we're about to get real. You guys, what is up? Welcome back to another episode of the Empowerment Project Podcast. How is it going? We are back with part three of the What's Hindering Your Faith series. We're going to kick off today's episode a little bit different because it has been a hot minute since I've reminded you guys of how you can get involved outside of listening to the podcast. So the first way I, or the first one that I want to talk about, I always want to remind you guys of and encourage you to do is to leave a review on the podcast. This is so important for the growth of the podcast. And if we believe in something, we should endorse it and we should share it and we should advocate for it. So if you have a moment, just hit the pause button, tap our podcast name, which is the Empowerment Project. It should be right under the thing that's scrolling across your screen that says part three, what's hindering your faith. Just click the Empowerment Project right there. Scroll all the way down to the bottom of the screen past all of our uploads, past all of our um, episodes, and tell everybody why they should check this podcast out and how it has impacted you. Secondly, join our mailing list. There will be a new email coming out tomorrow. If you are listening to this on Wednesday, the day that this comes out, there's a new email coming out tomorrow. So if you still have time to sign up, don't worry. Um, Just use the link in the show notes to join the mailing list. Uh, It comes full of all sorts of encouragement, um, journal prompts and my latest writings, my current favorites and things that will just brighten up your day so much. So make sure that you are not missing out on that. Next, make sure that you're following us on Instagram. I know I talk about this one actually, probably more so than anything else. I am obsessed with our Instagram. I can't even tell you how obsessed I am with it. I know you guys hear me talk about it all the time, but go and follow us. It has so much encouragement on it. Such unique content, like things that you don't see just scrolling through your feed. It's so unique um, to its mission and just so awesome. And I love it so much. So go and follow us on there. Um, We did actually this week reintroduce the Empowerment Project. So as you guys know, the Empowerment Project began as this podcast. Hang on, I got to readjust. I am like cutting off my airway. Um, I'm like really just chill. I'm so chilled back right now. Um, I'm loving it. But Uh, So we reintroduced the Empowerment Project, and this is actually a bigger deal than what I'm making as casually as I'm explaining it right now. Um, But we, uh, we, like I said, we reintroduced it on on Instagram. Um, And the Empowerment Project, I mean, obviously began as this podcast. Um, But as we're learning and as we're growing like into this space and what we want to do and listening to God, pursuing God, and most importantly, like as we're walking alongside you guys, we're seeing that the podcast is actually just one of the ways that we want to serve and connect with you. So the Empowerment Project is a about more than a podcast. So this space is about women coming together with a common purpose of lifting each other up and just encouraging each other to live life boldly. That has been our anthem since day one. Uh, Something that that I've constantly preached, I feel like, is the idea of like gathering together, being vulnerable, and like creating a safe space to help women discover 
like you heard earlier, more about their God-given identity and power they can claim through Christ. <laughs> so I know that I connect with you guys a lot and like DMs and emails and texting. But other than that, like with it just being a podcast, the conversation can be a little bit one-sided. And so I want to begin like opening up opportunities for us to walk alongside each other, like truly like link arms and grow together and get to know each other on a deeper level. So We're going to be exploring that um, and I really want us to just like strengthen, like really the focus is like strengthening these relationships, to strengthen these godly friendships and just to help each other grow. So I'm tossing around a lot of ideas right now, like devotionals and ways for us to do Bible studies together. Um, Facebook has private groups or like locked groups um, and so I'm like checking all of that out to see just how we can get connected. So I'm looking into all these opportunities and so on and so on um, and different Bible studies and things that we can just do together. So of course, I'm not ditching the podcast. The podcast is alive and well. She is not going anywhere and it is the biggest way that we actually do everything that I just mentioned. So on here, we're able to create like conversation and challenge each other which I love. But again, this is only one way. And the Empowerment Project is going to be more about a project um, that empowers women in their godly identity and in their femininity and womanhood and discovering who God has called them to be and walking uh, boldly and with confidence. So I'm so excited to see like where this goes. Make sure that you share this community with your friends or with someone you know is who is like searching or praying for godly friends or godly sisters. And I love it because now we can, I know you guys obviously if you're listening to this, you're podcast listeners, but I know not everyone is. And so by doing this, we're able to reach um, outside of podcast listeners and really rally around community. So this has been so exciting for just an exciting vision and it's something that's so exciting to like dream up and plan with God. And like I said, we're exploring opportunities and things right now. So there's more planning that needs to be done, ideas that need to be fleshed out. Um, but it's been so much fun to just dream it up and think of all the possibilities and things that we could do. So I hope you guys are just as excited as we are to see all that God's going to do here. But make sure that you're following um, us on Instagram and just staying engaged, staying connected so you don't miss out on anything because there's a lot more coming down the pipeline. (laughs) And so I don't want you to miss out on anything. And uh, there's so much to look forward to and just to get excited about. So anyway, if you have not listened to um, part one and part two, of the What's Hindering Your Faith series. I always recommend that you go and do that. Um, You can use like each message to build on top of each other as we go along. And I really just see the Lord like using these as little like stepping stones, like building blocks to help us grow like through our faith struggles. And so in part one, we talked about distractions. And then in part two, we talked about our intimacy with God and what biblical examples of intimacy with God really look like. So now that we've talked about distractions and growing more intimate with God, today we are talking about sin. And I feel like this is important because I feel like as Christians, we expect our desire for sin to kind of go away after we become saved. Like we can look at our life and be like, oh yeah, I'm going to give my life to Jesus and I'm going to live perfectly and everything's going to be awesome. And if you're Christian, you know, that's just not the case. Like we have struggles like everyone else does. Um, you know, we have God on our side, which is so wonderful. And that's what honestly sets us up to, to win the victory, um, and to see victory there. But, uh, I felt like it was really important for us to touch on this because sin separates us from God. Like it can't do anything but separate us from God. And so I was like, this is one that we need to talk about. And it can, 
It's not the most fun topic, but I really feel like it doesn't have to be as daunting. Don't misunderstand me. Sin is very serious. Sin is not a joke. It is very, very serious. Um, But at the same time, as coming together as sisters, as coming together as a community that is, you know, chasing after the heart of God, like it doesn't have to be super scary because God has already claimed the victory for us. We just have to receive that in our lives. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So although it can be an uncomfortable topic, I totally get it. But the goal of this message is to just meet you where you're at and like to come alongside you and say, I understand. I've been here. I've lived here. I've struggled here, but I have also seen victory here. So you and me, we are on the same team. We have the same goal and that's to see God operate in our lives. So whatever sludge we have to walk through, I mean, link arms, hold hands, pull each other through, whatever sludge we have to walk through in order to get ourselves postured in a place that God can use us, honestly, for me is totally worth it. And I think that it's worth it for you too. Otherwise, I don't believe that you would be tuning in um, and seeing how you can move past this sin because it is not fun to be stuck in sin. trust me, I understand. And it is hard to get out of it, but we are going to do it today. We are going to swallow our pride because sometimes whenever we love our sin, we can get very protective of it. So we are not going to do that today. We're going to approach this message, asking God to reveal things to us that we have permitted in our lives for far too long, way past their due date. And yes, this can be painful, but let's commit to it because we know that refining is so important and that the Lord tests our hearts. So as usual, before we get into today's episode, I want to open us up in prayer. So if you guys will just join with me and agreement um, that God would just be with us in our time today. So this is always my favorite part because it just calms me down. God, you are so good. You are so faithful. Lord, thank you for who you are and all that you have done for us. God, thank you for your son. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for seeing us and going out of your way to make a way for us to come right back to you. God, you stop at nothing for us. Thank you for loving us beyond what we will ever deserve. God, thank you that there are so many ears that are listening right now. I pray that they are focused on your word, that they are readily listening for what you have for them to receive. I pray that it's revelation knowledge that they retain that goes deep down within them and is written on their hearts. God, thank you that their hearts are softened and positioned toward you. God, make us good stewards of your word. God, let us hear this word and make us good stewards of it. Make us hearers of your word and doers of your word. Lord, make us trusters in your word and hopers in your word and lovers in your word. Holy Spirit, join with us in this time together today. Be with us and keep us free from distractions. We ask that you that you would just correct what needs to be corrected, that you would just help us to be attentive, and that you would help us to take action so that we can fulfill the call that the Lord has placed on our lives according to his will. Lord, we want to be active in living out these truths, not just believing them, So convict us of any negligence to your word and reveal to us hidden sin or hidden motives or hidden intentions, Lord, and replace it with the truth and move us into repentance. Lord, we welcome your encouragement as well as your loving correction and your gentle and gracious guidance during our discussion today. And it's in the name of Jesus 
the only name by which we are saved, we ask this. And amen. <sighs> okay, so if this is your first time listening, I encourage you to do a bit of note taking. I think it's important for retaining and remembering what God speaks to us and what passages we visit whenever we're whenever we're listening and whenever he speaks to us so that we can revisit them. Um, so the first scripture passage that I want to check out is Ezekiel 16. It is a little bit long. It's really not that long, but it's a little bit long. Um, but I promise I will I will do my best to make it fun. It really is such a good passage. Like it's one for me that like the moment that I read it, the single moment that I came across it, it meant so much to me. So what's going on here? Um, or it means so much to me because like when I read it and I look at it, it was just such a, it was like someone held a mirror up to my face and I was like, oh gosh, like that's me, Lord. Like, wow, I, this is no bueno. This is not good. Like, I don't want this to be me, but like, thank you so much that you're showing me that it's me. Um, but so what's going on here is that God, okay. So Jerusalem has turned away from God and the word of the Lord has come to Ezekiel reminding the people of Jerusalem of their former status. So Israelites, um, Jewish people were God's chosen people in Jerusalem, a chosen city or a city chosen by God. So this prophet Ezekiel is releasing this word from God, reminding them of how God saved them and how they turned against him. Like they turned around and sinned against him. So in this God is using, um, so everything that we're about to hear is a word from God coming from a prophet to the people that have turned away and sinned against God. So you know, like at us next time. So God is using the imagery of a like helpless baby growing into a woman. So that is the purpose of this passage and the use of this passage. But God is amazing in the fact that he takes these passages and makes them applicable in a way that can relate to the hearts of its readers. So and then on top of that, it's important for us to always be looking for our story and the story that we're reading um, because God's speaking to us and not necessarily not making it about us. It shouldn't be, um, you know, us trying to find ourselves, but just, you know, be looking at because obviously if we're reading the Bible, it's, you know, was forever ago. So or a long time ago. Um, so whenever we're reading, you know, we need to be looking for things that are applicable in our lives right now. So um, that's really important. And just taking seeing what we can like learn and what we can take away from it. So this passage is called the Lord's Faithless Bride, which is so sad to me because we know as Christians, we're the bride of Christ. And to be called a faithless bride is so sad. I, I don't want to be a faithless bride. Like if we're Christians, we know like we want our hearts to be aligned with God. Like we want our hearts to be aligned with Christ. Like we want our hearts to be aligned with their hearts and we want to be doing their will. We want to be walking with them and loving them and, um, you know, just walking alongside them. And you know what I mean? We don't want to be faithless. We want to be faithful. So it's hard. It's sad, but that should tell you kind of the direction that this is heading in, but I promise it's good. So before we start reading, um, this part of the passage, it can be a little bit of a harsh open but I want you to listen and to look at this as a picture of your soul or a picture of our souls and our spirits. Um, and it's to spare without God's intervention, um, because it will make you so much, so thankful for his intervention. So, okay. Anyway, verse eight, I mean, sorry, verse four. Um, okay. And as for your birth on the day you were born, your cord was not cut nor were you washed with water to cleanse you, nor rubbed with salt, nor wrapped in swaddling clothes. No, I pitied you. 
to do any of these things um, to you out of compassion for you, but you were cast out on the open field for you were despised on the day that you were born. So some of us actually uh, could have had a start to life like this, like in real life, like actually um, abandoned by the people that were supposed to love us, um, hurt by the people that were supposed to protect us, or just in a place where our needs were not met. Um, and some of us can relate somewhat literally to this text, and others of us can relate just spiritually. And for me, I grew up, I, I can relate spiritually. I grew up in a loving home with two loving parents that met my needs, um, yet my spirit longed for something beyond physical needs. And uh, because of this, like, uh, it was because my my spirit hadn't found its home yet, and I was helpless. And I honestly, I was and I still am nothing without Jesus. And whenever we look at ourselves, like, to our core, we have nothing to offer. Um, like, what are we if we don't belong to God? Like, we don't know love until we meet the giver of love. So we all kind of start out in this state. So like I said, it's a little bit harsh in the, the imagery of it. Um, but it really is a picture of our eternal being without God's intervention and where we would be without him. So, but thank God he doesn't leave us like this. So picking up in verse six, it says, and this is the Lord speaking. And when I passed by you, I saw you wallowing in your blood. I said to you in your blood, in your mess, live. I made you flourish like a plant of the field. Oh, so I love this. See, God doesn't, this is evident. God didn't choose us because we, we as Christians can sometimes think like, oh, God chose us because like there's this huge, massive, you know, call in my life or because I, you know, whatever. God doesn't choose us because we're so amazing or because we are so holy. <laughs> like we were chosen because he sees us in our weakness. He sees us in our struggling. He sees us in our mess and our near and our, uh, the, the fact that we're near death without him. Um, and this was the same for Jerusalem. So just in this, like if you can close your eyes and remember the moment that God picked you up for the first time, when God came in and woke you up from your sleep, from your past life, whenever he came in and opened your eyes, if you can remember the moment that God came into your life and said, I'm going to change everything and you began to bloom and you began to fall in love with him. That is what this is referring to, this honeymoon stage of God seeing us in, you know, it's it starting this love story with Jesus and him seeing us in our mess. Uh, this section speaks to me personally because I remember what it was like whenever Jesus came in and changed my life. Like I can, oh, I can still remember how it felt and how he showed up and he lavished me with his love and how he went out of his way to save me from myself, like from this world, from the grasp of the enemy, that he didn't leave me where I was. And he, he saw me threshing, he saw me thrashing uh, around in my mess and in my pain and in my hurt and in my sin. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it wasn't by anything that we did. That's one of the reasons that I love that it's depicted as a baby because a baby has nothing to offer. Like, think about it. A baby has nothing to offer. Parents gain nothing from providing for a baby. It costs them money. It's a lot of work. They don't get any sleep. They spend all this money. Did I say money already? Money's obviously a very... <laughs> 
big thing that babies cost a lot of money. They cost a lot of time and a lot of energy um, and a lot of attention. And the baby cannot repay that in any way. He can, like the baby cannot repay the parents in any way. It is just completely a vulnerable little being that is just completely trusting the people, um, like trusting that someone is going to look after it and like keep it safe and like meet its needs. And, you know, we, we're a lot like that as children of God. And at the state that we're in, um, prior to meeting Jesus, that he can't gain anything from us. Like we have nothing to offer him yet. His eyes fell on us. And he says that we don't have to stay like this. And I'm, and he says like, I'm not going to leave you like this. Like I'm calling you back to life. So, um, picking up into the next verse, Uh, And you grew up and became tall and arrived at full adornment. Your breasts were formed and your hair had grown, yet you were naked and bare. So just to point out, um, I I don't know if people get weird about this, but like the fact that (laughs) it might be like, why is God focusing on breasts? It really just means the fact that this person is matured. It's really just depicting maturity and the fact that this person is completely um, made new and it, it, there, it really is a parallel of the gospel. Um, and I love this because kind of as we keep going, we'll see how it kind of unravel, unravels. And essentially, this is speaking to um, the fulfillment of the promise. Whenever he said live, it became full grown or this woman became full grown. And um, so it's really just speaking to maturity here. And the fact that like what Jesus did, he did in full. What God said was done in full. So this person had came to full adornment, breasts um, formed and hair had grown, yet you were naked and bare. So still they had nothing to offer. Like uh, God did the saving, but they still had nothing. They still were, were had nothing to give. Um, and he, and it continues on. God said, when I passed by you again and saw you, behold, you were the age for love. And I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I made my vow to you and entered into covenant with you, declares the Lord God, and you became mine. Then I bathed you with water and washed off your blood from you and anointed you with oil. I clothed you also with embroidered cloth and covered you with fine leather. Um, I wrapped you in fine linen and covered you with silk. And I adorned you with ornaments and put bracelets on your wrists and a chain on your neck. And I put a ring on your nose and earrings in your ears and a beautiful crown on your head. Thus you were adorned with silver and gold and your clothing was of fine linen and silk and embroidered cloth. You ate fine flour and honey and oil. You grew exceedingly beautiful and advanced to royalty. And your renown went forth among the nations because of your beauty, for it was perfect through the splendor that I had bestowed on you. So this truly is such a beautiful passage because we say this phrase a lot, but we are literally listening as God is taking somebody from ashes to beauty. We talk about beauty from ashes all the time and he takes what we are and he makes them into something beautiful. And this is a perfect example of that. It's a beautiful example of 
of that and how he pours out all of his love on us. He pours out his blessings on us. He pours out his gifts on us. He pours out his adoration on us. He looks at us and says, beloved, you are mine. I called you. I took notice of you when no one else did. And I fell in love with you when you had nothing to offer me. Because in the world, the world only wants what we can offer it. And God's like, I saw you when you had nothing to offer. Um, And I gave you everything and I gave it fully. And not, not only did I give you everything, but I gave you the best of everything and I gave you mine. Like what's mine is yours. And I adore all that you are, everything that you have, I have freely given you. And he asks for nothing in return. And he says, you are made perfect and I love you. So this speaks so clearly to me. And I think for, I can speak a lot for a lot of you too, when we find Jesus, we find our worth. Um, you know, it's placed within us and we have this sense of, you know, confidence that comes over us because we know who we are. Like he places a crown on our head and we begin to walk in this righteousness and we know our value and we realize that we are bought with a price and called by God and that we are who we are because of God. And we have this refined sense of self because we know that we are daughters of the King and we are children of God and his love for us is so evident in all that he does for us and all the ways that he exceeds our expectations. But listen to this. Picking up in verse 15, God said, oh, but you trusted in your beauty and used your fame to become a prostitute. You lavished your favors on anyone who passed by and your beauty became his. This makes me sad. You took some of your garments to make gaudy high places where you carried on your prostitution. You went to him and he possessed your beauty. You also took the fine jewelry I gave you, the jewelry made of my gold and my silver, and you made for yourself male idols and engaged in prostitution with them. You took your embroidered clothes and put them on them and to put them to put on them and you offered my oil and incense before them. Also, the food I privileged for you, the flour, olive oil, and honey I gave you to eat, you offered as fragrant incense before them. This is what happened, declares the Lord. (laughs) So this always like rips my heart open because we, because we look at all this stuff that God was so excited about and so thoughtful about and so loving about and so excitedly gave us and was so caring And the way that he just dressed us and, you know, fine linen and all these things were of so much value. And we take it and we use it to serve ourselves and we give it away, something that was worth so much, not because it was super fine, not because it was embroidered, not because it was worth a lot of money, but because it was given to us by God. And you know what I mean? Like, you know, when you have like a niece or nephew or a a child or someone that makes something for you, like, and they give you something that they, not that God's a child, but it's a, it's about the heart behind the gift and not necessarily the gift is what I'm trying to get at. Um, and they give you something or that they've made or they, they put together a card for you or something. They draw a card and it's handmade. And I remember my mom, like when we did this when we were little, I would <laughs> like make her cards. And I remember I would always feel like really bad because my, not bad, but like hate that I, that I didn't have any money to like, or any way to like go and get her like a birthday card. And so I always had to just make one for her. And I remember like telling her sorry, you know, and I remember her being like, these are my favorite kind. Like this is so special and so unique. Like it's from you. It's from your heart. Like you drew things that you know that I love. Like it means so much more to me than one that you could just go pick out. 
And so that's what I'm kind of trying to get at, at at this. Like when we look at the heart of God and the way that he comes in, that he swoops in and that he wants to love us and set us upright um, and make us who we are called to be and who we've been predestined to be um, and just the way that he comes in and loves us and then how we turn around and we use um, what he's given us and what he's made in order to serve ourselves. And so I hope that that rep- resonates with some of you and um, as well, because it really did me. And there, I mean, there's so many things because we become confident in who God says we are. And like, we start to gain our footing and we're like, oh, okay, like I can start making my own decisions. We And we don't say that because otherwise we wouldn't. Like if we said in our heart or said in our head, like, God, I don't need you anymore. We'd be like, whoa, that's wild. But we don't realize that that's what we're doing. Like we start to gain our footing. We get some knowledge. We get some wisdom under our belt. We get some experience and we stop consulting God. Um, and so we start making our own decisions and we allow who we are to be traded in to serve our flesh. So when he's saying like, prostitute he's really like saying like sellout like you became a sellout for lack of better terms but um for some of us it is a form of prostitution you know trading ourselves um for this affection from somebody else or whatever and i know that for me like that is where i got a lot of my validation was in guys and so when he says like you gave them your beauty like that i gave that to you like why are you giving them something that's of so much value. Like I gave you your heart and everything that you are. Why are you handing it over to them for the price of nothing? Why are you giving them everything? So, um, and I mean, really this, this can be interpreted so many different ways, but we're made beautiful because of who God is. And then we neglect it. We neglect God and we forget the way that he saved us in order to chase the attention of the world. So, for some of us, it's men. Um, for some of us, it's a stage. For some of us, it's approval or titles or positions or degrees or um, a promotion or whatever, a car or material possessions, like whatever it is, it's all so true. And we grow up, we explore new things and we think of, you know, or we think that we like have everything figured out or at least certain things figured out and we chase the world and we forget all the ways that God loved us before he had any of what, before he gave us any of what the world wants to use us for, because that really is what it is. The world wants to use us for what God has given us. And, and God just wants to love us before we had any of it. And as I shared with you guys on my Instagram page this week, um, my relationship with God has been messy and I've turned away from him a lot. And it's always been because I was satisfying some sinful craving. I wouldn't say I, I didn't like shut him off. Um, but sometimes I would quiet my spirit, uh, because I knew that, um, the pain of confronting the sin, um, I, and I, I didn't want to do it. I just justified it and I didn't want to do it, but I always knew. And sometimes I wouldn't know that's what I was doing. Sometimes I just did it subconsciously. Um, but it's because I was always satisfying some sinful craving. Like I was idolizing a lifestyle or a guy or, a work position or whatever. And I forgot the way that God loved me and rescued me and saved me. So I know that there are probably a lot of you sitting in this exact position right now. And as saved women of God, we're struggling in our faith and we, we allow this creep, this like sin to like creep in and just slowly push God out before we even realize it. Um, and even after all he's done. And when I look at, when I looked at this and looked back, like 
it really, really grieved me. And see, because before, like I met Jesus, I remember spending most of my weekends thinking like, there has to be more to life than this. Like there has to be more to life than partying and drinking and pretending and mistakes and then having regrets and then suffering disappointments and setting myself up for heartbreaks and giving into my insecurity. And then I was chasing people's approval and I needed to be enough and I needed to be someone that everybody loved. And I found out, like, I was like, there has to be something more. And then I found out that there was, but even after I found it, I still found myself eventually tripping over and falling into sins that had, you know, trapped me prior to. And so I was kind of falling into the self-destructive lifestyle. Like when I came to know Jesus, you know, I was swept up in him and I wasn't sinning, but then, you know, the honeymoon stage kind of starts to not fade because I, I still can be in that, but you get more comfortable in your relationship with Jesus and then your confidence with him. And then Satan comes in and of course tries to wreck it. And so maybe this is where you are, you know, maybe you've fallen into a slump, but I think too, it's always a slow fade. You know, we don't really see that like sin starting to creep in. So that's kind of why I said like, or why I said like it starts to creep in and it slowly starts to push God out. And so sometimes we let it because we aren't on guard against it and we don't realize that that's what it is. So while yes, my heart was changed and I'm sure yours is too, or was too, my desires were not quite there yet. And I thought that becoming a Christian would like fix all of it. My fleshly desires would just be gone, but that was not the truth at all. So I found out that like Jesus does the saving. He does it in full, but we have to make the decision to walk away from what he saved us from. And I can say unashamed that my relationship with Jesus had a messy start <laughs> and I was wrapped up in the world. Jesus knew that when he called me, he knew that my steps wouldn't be perfect, but he knew that his love was. So the good thing about Jesus is that he doesn't call us into perfection. He calls us forward. And part of that process is your eyes being open to the things that are destroying your soul and your relationship with him. So that's kind of why I said earlier, you know, we may not recognize sin as sin right away out off the you know cuff, like as soon as we're saved. There may be some things that we're like, is this bad or whatever? And we're kind of going back and forth in our head trying to figure things out. Um, but as we move forward, you know, our eyes are going to be open to things and there's going to be things that, you know, are called on to have our, that we need to put our attention on and we need to fix. And so it can be painful, um, but it is so, so beautiful. And so I think that this is the crossroads that um, quite a few of you guys are at. So we're going to sit here for a second. And I, I, if we don't have revelation of God's love, for us, we can let that conviction turn into shame really quick. And so we hide ourselves from God. And I have been here too. So let's check out Genesis 3 really quick. We are not going to be here long. And I know, y'all, Genesis is one of my favorite books. I go there all the time. And I feel like every time we have a podcast, I'm like, flip to Genesis. I just can't stay out of it. I don't know what it is. It's just what we have to do. But it's so good. But <laughs> we won't be here for long, I promise. I just want to point something out. Um, So Genesis 3, and we are going to be, let's do... um. Okay, let's pick up in verse six, the moment uh, Eve gives into the, to, into the temptation. Um, okay, so verse six. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband um, who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So notice here, just kind of off the, you know, cuff, uh, 
that their immediate reaction is to cover themselves, to protect their flesh, because now, um, <laughs> like, now they had something to be ashamed of. So they hide their nakedness and they hid their weakness. So that's the first thing that they do. They start to cover up. Um, verse eight, then the man and the wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from him. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid something that I love, um, is that God knew where they were. God wasn't walking in the garden and like he wasn't like where are you guys i can't find you it's the act him calling out to him was calling adam forward um from that place of hiding calling him out of that place of hiding so he's like where are you he's he's causing adam to look and say oh this is what i i this is what i did i heard you coming and i was afraid because i sinned and now i'm naked and so i hid from you so I love this because um, for us, it's the Holy Spirit that we have with us. It's just kind of checking us on stuff like, hey, how'd you get here? Like, what are you doing here? Like, you would never be in this place. Like, you know, who, who have you become? Like, how did you end up in this place that you're in right now? And so I love that because that is applicable for us today. You know, we aren't, unfortunately, we are not able to walk with God in the cool of the day in the garden right now. But we do have the Holy Spirit with us. And I love that this is in here because a lot of people are like, what if God, like if God knew where he was, like why did he ask, or like if God knows everything, why didn't he know where Adam was? It wasn't for God. It was for Adam. It was for Adam and Eve to say like, this is what's up. Like I messed up. Like this is where I am. Like think like, well, I don't know. I don't think they thanked him, but he called him to check himself. He called him to say, this is what happened. This is where I am. Like, this is how I ended up here. So honestly, like, I don't know if anyone else can relate to this, but I can relate to this, like hiding myself from God. Um, yes, uh, 100%, um, creating space between myself and God because of something I've done. Absolutely. Separation is the result of sin. Sin takes us further away from God. I've, I've said this so many times, but sin takes us away from God, whether we want it to or not. Like it can't do anything else, but take us away from God. Separation from God, like sin or separation from God is a result of sin. Um, whether we're individual sin or living in sin, doesn't matter. Both of these things will turn us from God either intentionally um, because we are afraid, um, because we feel like we messed up, because it's caused us shame or whatever, um, and it will cause us to separate ourselves from God intentionally, or it will fog us up and make us think that we can have our sin and our Savior and will slowly fade and allow this sin to creep into our lives. So it's going to do one or the other, but you absolutely cannot have your sin and your Savior. It cannot happen. Um, that's exactly what Jesus came to set us free from. We It, it, it doesn't work. It can't work. Um, God is holy. <laughs> he can't cohabitate with sin. Um, so that is why... Jesus came and we can kind of get into a little bit of it. I think, I think I might hear in just a little bit, um, but into, cause a lot of people ask, you know, like, well, if God's holy and he can't cohabitate with sin, 
how uh, there's no way for us to completely stop sinning altogether. Like we can't be sinless. Um, but God sees us through, um, God sees us the way that he sees Jesus. He sees us completely white. He sees us completely, um, you know, renewed, completely blameless, um, completely redeemed. Um, so he doesn't cohabitate with sin whenever we have the Holy Spirit residing within us. Um, and we have accepted Jesus into our lives. So he doesn't see our sin. However, we can't grow. We can't grow with the Lord if we are being controlled by our sin. So that is that. Um, so in this case, Adam and Eve hid from God and thankfully, um, now we have Jesus. There's no reason for us to hide anymore because God made a way for us to come, um, back to him to have redemption, to have a redemption story. Um, and our redemption story is that of Jesus. So, um, that he died for us while we were still sinners and he gave us the option to turn away from the things that are keeping us in bondage and that Jesus is our moderator and he is our advocate. And now God sees us washed and renewed. Um, but in order for us to grow with him and in him, we still need to shake off all of our old ways. So I love that God extends us his patience and his grace and as the Holy Spirit helps us identify these things that are pulling us from God, the key is to repent, not retreat, because I think that's where we get me messed up when it comes to like us hiding um, or it comes to our shame or our conviction. Sometimes it's hard to figure out. It's hard for us to figure out which is shame and which is conviction. Um, conviction will lead you to repentance, will lead you to God. Um, and then shame will lead you or condemnation or shame will lead you to, I don't think shame is a bad thing. I think that shame is the side effect of conviction, <laughs> but then, uh, conviction leads us to repentance and toward God, but, um, condemnation will lead us to retreat and to, you know, retreat, re retreat, retreat to our sins. Um, and retreating to our sins is very dangerous, but it is, it's usually a very easy option for people because it's comfortable. It's what we know. Um, it's what's easy, uh, but we know that it'll take us further than we ever wanted to go. And it'll cost us more than we can ever pay. So it's always good to just go ahead and go straight into repentance. And we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. Um, but thankfully, no matter where you are in your sin right now, you can always flip her up. You can always switch it back and you would always go back home to the father that is waiting for you with arms wide open. So let's check out um, the story of redemption in Luke 15, 11. Um, you guys know it. You love it. Completely original. Never been done before. No, I'm just kidding. Well, it's that's true, but um, I was quoting it. You get it. You were, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, maybe I'm 12. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. So the parable of the lost son, it is what it is. Let's do it. So, all right, let's pick up in verse 11. Um, so it says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So the father divided up his property between them, um, between the two sons. Not long after that, the younger son got another or got together all that he had set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in his wild living. Yikes. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a city of that country or to a citizen of that country. Um, words are hard <laughs> to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields um, to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. 
but no one gave him anything. So this sounds a little bit familiar. Am I right or am I right? Sounds a little bit familiar to what we read in Ezekiel. Same sort of concept, okay? So we're selling ourselves out. We receive our blessings in full and then we trade them in to satisfy our flesh and it ends up profiting us nothing of value. So we, you know, so we see as he turns away from the father and he left a place where he was loved and where he was completely satisfied um, and all of his needs were met where he was, you know, of value and attained a high status as the son. Um, and now he is jealous of the food of the pigs, like the food that the pigs are eating. He's jealous. Like he's like, I am tempted to eat what the pigs are eating. I'm tempted to eat uh, the pig's food alongside the pigs. And he's quickly finding out that this way of life has nothing to offer. This way of life is not profitable. And this reminds me how we can experience God's love. So, and like we can experience, ex- really experience God. So back in Ezekiel, you know, we kind of talked about like, you know, God coming in and saving us and this honeymoon stage. But I, but this talks about, you know, this, this mature relationship, this day-to-day relationship, this father-child relationship and how they did life together. Like he, that was, you know, they lived together, they ate together, they, you know, everything and um how we can experience God like outside of being safe from him we can experience him the things that he's doing and talking with him and fellowshipping with him and then you know we can sit and like relish in his glory and then we can just kind of you know turn away and try to do things on our own and (laughs) in our own power and we run ahead of God and we rush through seasons we weren't meant to leave and we end up you know like left in this rubble of our own plans so verse 17 it says when he came to his senses so here he was just you know thinking about like oh I'm like about to eat this pig's food so when he came to his senses he said how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and here I am starving to death I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. I love this part. So the next line says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran toward his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Y'all, this wrecks me every time. The love God has for us is unmatched, completely never been done before, original, so unique, wonderful. Like he doesn't care how far you've run. He didn't care. This father did not care how far his son would run. He didn't care that he spent all of his riches, that he wasted his wealth, that he squandered it all. Like he didn't care how long he'd been gone. Like he saw him coming from a long way off, but he like he was just happy that he came home. And I love that he says he saw him come from a long way off because you know that you know that the father spent time thinking about him. You know that the father spent time missing him. You know the father spent time, you know, hoping that he was well and loving him from a distance. Um, you know, and and the fact that he was like staying watching for him, like that he saw him coming from a long way off. Like this is back in the Disney. Like they didn't have cell phones to be like, hey, OTW on the way, you know, gonna be pulling up in five. Like he wasn't waiting outside, like with the car. Like he must have been watching for him. He saw him coming from a long 
long way off. Like I just think about like, you know, I don't know what the house would have looked like or anything, but you know, like if he just caught it, the father just caught himself, you know, looking out and just wondering, you know, is he going to see his son coming over the hill? Like, you know, and just rushing toward him and wanting to be with him again. And it just reminds me of like the love that God has for us. Like he doesn't get distracted. Like he's, he doesn't get distracted from, from us. His gaze doesn't lift from us. Like he doesn't take his attention away from us. Like if we want to go, he lets us go because love isn't forceful. Love does not, you know, imprison. God's love is free. It's freely given and freely taken. Um, and we can go and we can do what we want. Uh, we, you know, we decide, you know, what we, what we want to do. We, you know, whatever consequences come with that, come with that, but we can freely go back to God at any time. And he waits there for us with compassion and with mercy and extends us another chance. And I love here in verse 22, it says, the son said to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son at this point. The son is like, listen, I don't deserve this. Like I am ready to step down from, I don't want any rights that I had before as your son. Like I accept servanthood, like I accept servanthood, but I love this because we aren't worthy of God. God knows that, but he says, I don't care. I'm so glad that you're home. You can't waive your sonship because you didn't earn it. You never earned it. It's a position that I have freely given to you despite your worth. So here we are looking at our inheritance as the Bible says, we are heirs of Jesus. And more specifically, it says in first Peter, uh, it says that our inheritance is imperishable and undefiled. It's protected. It's hidden away. It will not fade. That is reserved for us in heaven. In verse 22, it says, but the father said to his servants, he didn't even say anything to his son. Like what his son said was irrelevant. He's like, I could never, I could never, you are my son. He says to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. I love this because I'm trying to like imagine like the state that this son would have returned in, like probably not showered. He's starving to death. Um, I mean, maybe he's a little dramatic, but he probably had some weight loss. He probably is stinky. Um, he probably sold everything that he had. So he probably is coming back with nothing. Um, and he, you know, he left with so much, um, but he, you know, he squandered it all. And so when he gets back, his father's like, "Uh, uh-uh, no, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his fingers, sandals on his feet, get the biggest calf you can find and let's feast. Like, let's celebrate. Like my son is home. He did not address the fact of where's this? Where's this? Like, why did you do this? Like there was no conversation to be had. He's like, you are home. And that is what is important. So guys, you are not too far gone. You are not beyond redemption. If there is still breath in your lungs, you can still run toward God with everything that you have or everything that you don't have. If you have surrendered everything to the world, if you have sacrificed it all, it does not even matter. You run back home. Anything that's telling you otherwise is a lie of the enemy. And you may be thinking like, I want to run back home. I want to run back to God. But this sin still has a hold on me. Like I don't want to run back to God and then fall back into the same sin and then abuse God's grace. And I understand this. I, I really, really do. This was something that for me was a very big 
issue because I would be in a relationship where I would be, you know, with a certain group of friends or whatever. And I'm like, I can't run back to God because I know that I'm going to continue doing this same sin. Um, and, or, you know, whatever it was, whatever was going on. Um, I completely understand. So for me, some habitual sin was easier to shake than others. And my road was really bumpy, but let me just meet you where you are right now because I have been here. So let me meet you in the sin that you cannot shake and the sin that is sucking the joy out of you, that's sucking the life out of you, the sin that is taking you further and further away from the heart of God, that sin that has its hooks deep within you and that sin that just makes you feel like you're not good enough and that is keeping you bound. Guys, your power is not about being able to deny the temptation. It isn't about wanting to, because I think that's where we get messed up is that we're like, well, you know, like I see the sin, I see it's bad, but I still want to do it. And for some reason that throws us off. Like we're like, like we're like, but I still want to do it. And it's like, well, no crap. Like your flesh isn't going to change its mind. Your flesh loves this stuff. Like your flesh isn't going to naturally want to abandon sin that it loves. It's going to be protective over it. It's normal to want to indulge in these other things. God knows that. God knows that sin is hard and, and that it's hard for us to walk away from. However, here is where the growth in the submission of your flesh begins. The growth is in training yourself to do it anyway. The growth is in the adaptation of your desires because with every act of discipline, like when you are disciplined and you say like, I'm not going to choose this. Every time you do that, you are training your flesh. You are conquering your flesh. And it's just, it's repetition. It's like going to the gym. It's like any sort of new muscle. Like you're becoming more Christ-minded because you are taking the steps needed. You're not going to be able to just squash this desire. Like you might be able to like deny it one or two times or whatever, but you have to keep denying it in order to strengthen that muscle. So like with every act of self-control, you're telling your emotions that they are not your God. And the resistance of that will grow quieter and quieter and quieter. Like, because you're, you're calling your flesh out. Like you're like, Hey, listen, you don't run the show. Like my spirit runs the show. My Holy Spirit runs the show. God runs the show, the show. And the more that you give your spirit a voice and the more that you give your spirit or a power to overcome um, your flesh, um, your spirit's going to grow stronger and your flesh is going to become quieter. And it's going to, your then that's when your desires start to change. That is when your desire start to change is whenever you practice that. So um, you don't want to, you know, do what's holy over what feels good. Join the club. <laughs> Honestly, join the club. Sin sucks. It's difficult. It's hard to let go of. It's, you know, when someone makes us mad, we want to yell at them and we want to get in a fight and we want to gossip and we want to tell, you know, whatever's going on, we're upset. So don't feel like you are the only one that's pressed with this stuff or that everyone else is better and they don't want to act out in a certain way. Like that is not the case. They may have had, they may have, um, you know, more years of being able to train their flesh. It's time for you to start training your flesh. So you don't want to do what's holy over what feels good. Join the club. We got to do it anyway. And so before I go, I am going to share with you something that has changed my perspective um, and my battle over sin. Honestly, this, this, changed my perspective forever. Um, and it's about saying, it's this simple thing right here. It's about saying, yes, my flesh loves this sin. My flesh loves that sin. But God, I love you more. And when I grasped this, it changed everything for me because it's easy to say, 
that you're not going to give into a temptation or whatever. But then when it arises in the moment, it's so easy to justify like you're kidding me. Like you justify it and it slowly creeps forward and you're like, okay, well, you know, like it wasn't that big of a deal. Like it was just kind of minor or whatever. (laughs) Like because whenever we're faced with it, it's it's you know, it doesn't we can justify it. Um, But whenever we can look at it and we can look God like we can turn around and face God and say, I love you more and then walk away from the temptation like you are well on your way because it's so much easier to look like to have a temptation in your face and be able to just be like, you know what, God, I love you more. You know what? No, I'm not going to do that. I love you more. I love you more rather than looking at the sin and be like, it's not that bad. Turning to God and say, I love you more. You are going to move literal mountains if you can get this if you can if you can learn to overcome sin and allow God to continue you know growing you or continue growing you in the things that are compromising who you are in Christ you are going to be unstoppable I mean just whoa so and I mean like heck I say that (laughs) but I'm not doing that so you know it is what it is but I believe it for you I believe it for me too but it's just funny but okay so I am going to go ahead and close us out in prayer really quickly so just you know do your thing and agree with me okay so (laughs) heavenly father thank you so much for your unfailing love Lord, you are so mighty and so powerful and you love us. You call us beloved. You call us your chosen people, a royal priesthood. God, help us to live as such. Lord, we know that there is sin in our lives. God, I know that there are people listening that have been struggling with sin, the same sin, fighting it for so long, going back and forth between the sin and the shame. And God, let today be the day that chains are broken, that they are able to set these weights down and walk in freedom that was predestined for them. Lord, sin has been dismissed and justified and hearts have been compromised. And Lord, we know that Satan's desire is for us to keep in our sin and to keep us in dark with our sin. But today we call it to light before you. We welcome your loving correction. Thank you for caring enough to correct us, God. A loving father corrects his children. A loving father corrects his children. Thank you that you are a loving and a caring father. Thank you for loving us more than we will ever deserve. Lord, watch over us as we carry on throughout our week. Continue revealing yourself to us in new ways. Lord, we love you so much. It's in the name of Jesus, the name by which we are all saved. We ask these things and amen. So that concludes... (laughs) That concludes it, folks. I hope that this was helpful. I hope that it was an easier conversation um, than you were expecting. Um, I feel like God did something. (laughs) I feel like God did something in this episode um, and that he just touched hearts. I really do because he was touching mine. Um, And I love when I can record an episode like that. Like sometimes I can sit down and I can, you know, record and it can just kind of be you know, somewhat not mundane, but you know, it's, it's not, I don't feel moved necessarily as, you know, recording it or whatever. And, and, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm not making any sense, but I I feel moved, but sometimes I just feel more moved than others. And today was just one of those days. And I just feel like 
God is doing something and he's using this episode. And so I hope that it spoke to somebody's heart. Um, I hope that he uses it to get somebody back on track. I hope he uses it to reclaim a life, like reclaim lives. Like sin has taken too many lives. And I don't mean like eternal lives. I think that our salvation is secure. Um, the moment that we accept Jesus, genuinely accept Jesus, but sin has claimed so many callings. It's claimed so many gifts and it's claimed so many people's lives. Um, and I just, you know, I just declare today that, um, you know, that God used this episode to reclaim lives, to speak into people's hearts and just to call them out of their sin, call them out of their habitual sin, call them out of things that they're allowing in their lives and just to change their hearts and change them from the inside out. And it's hard for me. I can't, I don't know why I can't stop preaching right now, but it's happening. Okay. So anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it up. I think this has been like 26 hours. Okay. I got to go. I love you guys so much. I hope that this was good. If it sucked, don't tell me. If it was good, tell me. I'm just kidding. Okay. I love you guys. I hope you have a good week. I'll talk to you again soon. Bye.